This is Cultivate a Good Life, episode 124, How to Raise Grown-Ups with Lynette Shepard. Hey everybody, I'm Becky Higgins and with me is my and I'm the one who's right. And my co-host, Becky Proudfit, we both are having a moment where we are both so sure that we are right, mm-hmm. but different right than the other person. I think I'm right. Becky thinks she's right about something. Someone's right. <laughs> Someone's so right. we have a friendly wager going. We'll see how this plays out. We're going to see how it plays out. And honestly, what, what Becky doesn't know is that I actually recorded some of our dialogue for the outtakes. At the end of this, you'll hear what we're talking about. But I just, for the record, I just want to say that I am confident in my rightness on this particular friendly bet, mm-hmm. which is really a happy, healthy place for me to be because Becky Proudfit is right so many dang times. Well, that makes me happy. Well, you know, there's your gold star for the I try day. to not say I'm sure unless I'm sure. Yeah. That's the only thing. So I'm often right because I often don't say I'm sure. Just not today. Today you're not right. <sighs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Okay. I'm just going to tell you what it is. She is confident that I didn't already record the title to this episode. I'm mm-hmm. confident that I did. There was so much going on in that swirl of five minutes right when I know I recorded it. Mm-hmm. And that's why she forgot. And so whatever you just heard a minute ago is for sure the original one that I know that I recorded. (laughs) Or it means I was right, and it was the actual one she actually recorded and didn't just think about recording. (laughs) And nothing that we're talking about has anything to do with today's episode, but you can tell we're having a good time, always and forever. And before we get to Lynette Shepard and introducing her and talking all things parenting, which... Heaven help me. We all need help. Mm -hmm. We all need the parenting help. Well, and if you're anything like me, like you just... You just don't know what the right thing is. Like you can talk well, yourself in and out of, and to be yes. honest, so much input from so many different parenting modalities, mm-hmm. for lack of a better term. There's just a lot of information out there. Sometimes it can swirl you up in a little parenting tornado. It can. And really at the end of the day, which is something that we both advocate for so much is that you just need to pay attention to what feels true and right for you mm-hmm. in all the things, books you read, podcasts you listen to. Um, input that you receive in all the ways. And so we hope that by sharing Lynette with you today is another drop in the bucket of just really good, solid information of helping you to cultivate your best life as a parent for those of you who are in that realm. And we hope that you find the value that we find as she has shared. It's good stuff. You're going to love it. Yeah. Um, I have a cute review to share. I'm this excited. Is so, so cute. Are you ready for this? Yep. Okay. So it's from Aussie Twin who says, wow, what an incredible eight minutes of this episode. I felt like I was getting a massage while listening to my inner self answer such personal yet truth questions. After going through some horrific situations as a stepmom and while listening to this episode, I have found inner peace for the first time in about 25 years today Whoa! during this podcast on Thanksgiving. Wow. My heart feels so free. Thank you times a million for this. Where was this episode 25 years ago? Hashtag stepmom renewed. What? If you don't know what episode she's referring to, it's the one that came out on Thanksgiving that we very intentionally decided right to do a short yeah. gratitude guidance practice focus. 
Yeah. It's amazing. Well, it's just so different than what we typically do. Mm -hmm. And it's episode 122, the most intentional holiday season ever. We really shook things up, made it super short and sweet, seven minutes long or eight, seven, eight minutes long and totally different. So if you want to experience what Aussie twin just experienced, if you want to experience peace for the first time in 25 years, you better head over and check it out. She says it feels like getting a massage. How great is that? I'm going to listen to that every day. (laughs) I've actually listened back to it a few times Mm -hmm. because it is so grounding and centering to just remember and reflect on these things that are so intentional for our holiday season. Anyway, Aussie twin, you know what to do, right, girl? You Mm -hmm. DM me and send me a message on Instagram and I'm going to hook you up. I'm going to hook you up with something real good. Okay. Are you ready back? I'm way ready. All right. (laughs) And when I say ready, I'm really ready to find out if I won the bet. Also ready for all of you to... (laughs) Be introduced to Lynette Shepard. And also, I'm ready to share a word from this week's sponsor. For years, my husband tried to get me to try a legit pair of hiking shoes from his favorite outdoor lifestyle brand, Solomon, and I resisted. Taylor is what I consider to be a, quote, serious hiker. It made perfect sense why he got so excited about the quality and capabilities of Solomon products. But I felt like my more average hiking habits didn't quite qualify me to need a special hiking shoe. I think most of us can definitely relate to that. Or we might assume that a brand like Solomon is only for elite athletes or the kind of people that would be featured in a National Geographic documentary. The truth is that Solomon is for everyone and has a wide variety of products and sizes to ensure anyone who has a desire to explore the outdoors has the shoes to help them do it. I'm not sure why I fought it for so long because when I got my first pair of Solomon Outline Trail Runners, I seriously fell in love. I realized what I had been missing out on thinking I didn't quite hit the benchmark to qualify for hiking shoes. I had better grip, no foot pain, and the support I needed to confidently attack any trail I wanted. If you are looking for someone to tell you that you qualify for Solomon's, we are telling you that what qualifies you is only your desire to get out and explore this beautiful world. What are you waiting for? From simple trainers to the most structured hiking boots, you are sure to find a style and fit that will help you get out there and look good doing it. You can always save 15% on everything at Solomon.com using the code Becky. Have you guys ever wanted a parenting handbook? Uh, yes, please. Yes, amen and forever. I have, I have wanted scaffolding and a parenting handbook for as long as I've been a parent because... For every single child individually, by correct. the way. Yes. <laughs> because I would like to guarantee everyone's success. Right. That would be my greatest joy. We know that that can't happen. And so enter our friend Lynette. Hello, Lynette. Hello, friends. I'm so happy to be here today. We are so happy to get the scaffolding from you. I, I feel like Lynette is the closest thing to a handbook you're going to get. Mm, wow. That's a good way to put it. Huge compliment. Yeah. yeah. I'm feeling some pressure here today to uh, solve all the problems in well, the world. It's a good Hopefully thing. I can deliver. Oh, it's a good thing you're prepared. You've been doing this for quite a while. So maybe just give us some background on what you've been doing and sharing about the parenting picture in your life. Yes. So I am a mom of five kids and my kids are now between the ages of 12 and 22. So we are kind of getting to the end of our hands-on parenting stage of life, I guess. But it started out really, really rocky for us and our oldest son 
gave us a run for our money and was so, 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 so hard. And I, every time you say that, I am in utter disbelief. Because you know know, her son. Because I know Lynette's children and they're all lovely, like lovely. And so when every time you say that, I'm like, that can't possibly be true. (laughs) And this is the 22 year old that you're talking about. And so was he giving you a run for your money when he was a baby, a toddler, a preschooler, a teen? Like what? Um, up until about age 10 or 12. Okay. So preteen then. Preteen. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He like was born screaming and Mm. screamed for nine solid months. So we started off with a bang. (laughs) He screamed himself hoarse the first night home from the hospital. He like had no cry left by the next day. And I thought, this is not how it's supposed to go. This is not what the movies show. (laughs) No. Like I studied family science. I think Mm -hmm. we have that connection. Yeah, we do have that connection. In college. And I thought, if anyone is prepared, it is I, because I studied all of this stuff. And anyway, the Lord, I think, looked at me and said, we'll see, we'll yeah. see. Oh, so they sent, he sent me this wonderful, blessed child who just was strong-willed to the core yeah. and just gave me a run for my money. And for those early years, I felt so alone, so alone. And I would look around and I would see all these kids who seemed just so sweet and so calm and mine were like spitting in my face and throwing books at my head and I'm like where is the disconnect like I am trying so hard why am I not getting anywhere yeah that's frustrating oh it was so it was so hard I literally thought he was gonna end up in prison literally (laughs) like I had I could see it in my mind I'm like yes no impulse control like I don't know how to help this child oh man and and it's your firstborn so you're jaded at this point you're probably like oh my goodness I'm doomed well if that's what parenting is about for sure for sure I was but I had another one when he was you know like I have two kids in in 19 months his Mm -hmm. brother is 19 months younger than him and we had four kids by the end of my husband's dental school training, and they were all young and all hard, and I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing in life, wow. you know, mm-hmm. with these kids. And yeah. so, anyway, it got a lot better. It got a lot better, and I learned some things and some tricks and some tools. And now this kid—I mean, by the time he was a teenager, he was so easy. That's mm. when you knew him mm-hmm. when he was that's a teenager. So interesting. And he just was Johnny on the spot, and he learned how to put that strong will to good use. And he was the valedictorian of his high school, and just wow—you would never know. People didn't believe me, but I'm just like, you don't know where he came from with right. this one. You yeah. Know? Well, and I love so, that you say he was like it, that. It's about channeling that strong spirit because I. I think one of the misconceptions in parenting, I also have some very strong-willed children, is that we want to like break their spirits. We want to like make them conform. We want to make them listen. But sometimes in that process, we take away the very thing that is actually a strength. For sure. And for sure. It goes back to that favorite quote, like you want to teach your child to be a leader in the world and not the leader of a gang in prison, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's about channeling that strong will to right. a really productive and healthful place. Well, yeah. and hopefully the goal isn't to take away anything, but rather to help them channel that energy. Right. That's, sure. that's the, the, the phrase, the common phrase that we keep using in our parenting, especially in these thick teenage years that we're in is like, okay, how can we help them channel this this talent, this skill, this energy in a way that is productive or helpful or useful to them as opposed to not. For so sure. that is, that's the goal. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And you look at your kids and I would challenge you to just look and see the things that drive you crazy. You know, for me, it was that determined spirit that I'm going to push and push and push and push and push. 
until I get what I want. And that was so hard when he was young. When he was a teenager, that was the best quality ever because, you know, you tempt that kid to do something he doesn't want to do, good luck. Mm -hmm. He's not going anywhere, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I think that a lot of times those things about our kids that are so hard or that drive us crazy or get on our nerves are actually their biggest strengths Mm -hmm. if we can zoom out and just see them as such. A resounding amen over here, for Mm -hmm. sure. That's And that's harder... to do at first. Like it's just such a challenging thing to put yourself in that place of seeing it in a positive light. But if I can be blunt and honest, that's our job. That's our job as parents is to see those qualities and be able to frame them in our own minds as to how it can be beneficial. Hard to do sometimes, but really, really important. What were you going to say back? Well, I think too, that the thing is parents, we need to keep in mind is we can't internalize our kids' behavior. And so oftentimes when my kids were younger and you have that for, have that thought go through your head, you probably have the same thing. Like, why does it always seem like it's my kids? Like, why are my kids? And then I would internalize it. I would never vocalize it, but I'd internalize it as like, what's wrong with me mm-hmm. that I'm like producing these kids? You know what I'm saying? And, and making it about me compounds, like further compounds the problem. Oh yeah. And when you start to internalize or to like over identify <laughs> with that, it really sends you into like kind of a tailspin that that becomes so much more about the situation at hand or so much less, excuse me, about the situation at hand and really starts to encompass all areas of your life and stuff goes awry very, very quickly. Oh yeah, absolutely. I felt that on a deep level when my kids were young and I am a woman of faith and you are both women of faith. And I would look at my kids and think, how in the world am I supposed to take this raw material and turn it into something that the Lord can use for good? Right. You know? yeah. I felt that pressure on a deep level and I'm yeah. just like, I'm failing. I'm failing at all of it. I don't know how I'm going to be able to mm-hmm. do any of this, but yeah, it's all in how you think about it, I think. And mm-hmm. then obviously learning some tricks and some skills and some parental, you know, well, scaffolding, framework, scaffolding, framework. teach yeah. us, teach us. Yeah. I'm on the edge of my seat because even though I feel like thought work wise, I've gotten myself through a lot of this over identifying, I still like crave that scaffolding. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to get into that. And what the scaffolding I want to give you today is if you have tweens and if you have teenagers, how do you get them ready to leave your home and be that amazing young adult that you hope they will be? And Mm -hmm. so I have learned over the years how a few things, a few tricks that I want to share with you. Good. Great. Awesome. So let's jump into the first one. So how I like, I like to use the acronym VESEL, V-E-S-L. And if we're going to prepare our kids for whatever comes in the future, and right now I think that's huge because it's so uncertain and it feels so scary and we're looking at our kids and wondering what life's going to look like for them in a few years down the road and how do we get them ready for that. And I believe that if we focus on these four areas, we're going to do a pretty good job of helping them to be ready. So the first one, V, is values. So I think values is foundational absolutely foundational. And when we're working to teach our kids values, we cannot rely on whatever they're seeing anywhere else in the world. Because you may not, they may not get that. You know, if you're trying to teach them how to be kind, or if you're trying to teach them how to have faith, or if you're trying to teach them, you know, all these other different kind of values, they may not see good examples of that on a daily basis. That's true. Mm -hmm. If we in our homes are not actively 
being an example, first of all, about right. what that looks like and then just trying to teach them, you know? So values is absolutely, absolutely key. And I don't know about you guys, but I found with my teenagers especially that candid conversations are the best way to teach values. Yeah. Because if I tell my teens, all right, kids, sit down. We're going to have a discussion about how to be nice to each other. They're out. Yeah. (laughs) They're out before it ever begins. They just Mm -hmm. tune me out completely. Yep. But if we can have just like random conversations while making dinner or driving to music practice or whatever, they're more engaged. They're more willing to talk about those kind of things. Mm-hmm. May I add something to that? I, I, speaking of values and candid conversations, I feel like some of my most profound moments with my kids have been value-based, candid, and um, validating. And so instead of being like, hey, this is just a good time to bring up X, Y, and Z, I'll actually go out of my way to point out the thing, the value in them that I noticed. Mm -hmm. So like, for example, Porter, like you are naturally a hard worker. I watched the way that you worked so many more hours last week than you typically do. And you handled it like a a champ. That's because you are innately a good hard worker. You have a good, strong work ethic. So that's just, I'm giving you a short version of a conversation that was very, it was natural. It was not contrived. It was not planned. It was very organic and authentic, but it also was a val. I was validating the value instead of bringing it up out of nowhere. Yeah. Because this is, if we can just see these things that our kids already have in them, what a great, easy conversation. Absolutely. I think that's so true. I had a similar experience with my daughter who was Porter's age. Yeah. And she, among her friends, is like the counselor of all of them. <laughs> you know, I mean, they I all come that. to her yeah. for advice. And I just, the other day we had a conversation because she's, going to college next year and trying to figure out what she wants to do with her life mm-hmm. and all that kind of thing. But I'm just like, why do, what do people come to you for? You know, mm-hmm. just naturally, what do people come to you for? I'm, I'm like, yeah, all of your friends come to you because you are so wise. You give really good advice. Mm-hmm. And that is something that I admire in you. And she's like, really? Oh, you know, and she may and so, not have even thought of that before right. you brought that up. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, you're just such a good, you're such a good leader in that way or whatever. I'm like, I mean, we were talking about it in the context of maybe that can factor into whatever you decide to do with your sure. life yeah. and your career or whatever. But I think that's huge just to, to point out what you see. Yeah. I have a values question for you. Yeah. Um, like you said, being, being people of faith, I think sometimes there's, um, we can put roadblocks between us and our kids when we try to, I don't know, instill value. Do you know what I'm saying? And how, what advice would you give a parent who's trying to help a child to cultivate a value system instead of like us shoving it, shoving it down their throat, which as we know, if anyone has a teenager, rarely shoving down throats never work. So what would you tell the parent who's like trying to learn how to like cultivate the value instead of just Shoving it, Give, down shoving it down their throat. Yeah. Okay. That's a good question. Um, I'm thinking about this in the realm of, okay, say we want to help our kids learn to think outside of themselves. I mm-hmm. think that's a good value yeah. to instill in our kids. I think if we can curate opportunities for them to do that and make it feel natural, but really it's thought out, you mm-hmm. know? And so if you can think of ways that, okay, they really need to stop being so selfish. You know, you don't Mm -hmm. want to tell that to them, but okay, so let's plan something where they can go and get their hands dirty, helping someone else do something. And that way they're getting that boost of, you know, feeling good about helping somebody, Mm -hmm. but then they're sort of figuring it out 
for themselves, mm-hmm. I guess. I'll tell so. you what I love so much about that is I'm the example of what not to do because I have for years said, you kids seriously need to learn the value of service in a way that you never have before. We're going to go on a humanitarian trip. You need to get out of this country and see another part of the world where people do not live anywhere near what we live in in the United States, blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. So that is the opposite of what you're saying. That's the bad example. Let me be clear about this. Bad example because what it is is me saying, this is not right and I want to improve the value within you what you're suggesting way better is instead of making it this presentation of like this is what's going to happen now you're just offering the thought that we just naturally kind of make these um, opportunities happen Mm -hmm. and like you said my favorite part then they kind of figure it out for themselves that's way more effective than mom or dad telling you you need to strengthen this value I have curated an activity to fix you okay (laughs) we are going to fix this you're going to have a value and it's called yes. service, hard work, And love. so maybe for you, it yeah. would mean like just saying, Hey guys, we're actually going to go as a family on this humanitarian trip and then just leaving it there. Yeah. Right. Well, it, but, but that was an extreme example too, yeah. because like most people don't have a, you know, that's a big thing. Mm-hmm. I, I like the thought of just smaller opportunities, you know, just making a batch of cookies to take it to the widow down the street, for example, like just small opportunities to think outside of yourself in that particular example of a value. Yeah. I think that the more you can weave it into your everyday life and experience and not necessarily make it this big thing. Mm -hmm. I think what you were describing humanitarian trips. I think that's awesome. That's great too. And let me just clarify. (laughs) We have said those same words to our kids. I'm not alone. Have we all not? Like seriously. I'm going to take you somewhere and you're going to get your hands dirty and you're going to serve for four days. Yeah. 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 Yeah, for sure. But the more that it can be just woven into the daily activities of our lives without being so like, sit down and let's get this done, um, the more effective it will be. I love that. Okay. So V is for values. What is E? E is emotional skills. So obviously this one is huge. I think we're seeing a lack of emotional skills in a lot Mm -hmm, of teens, young adults, and Mm -hmm. even adults. It's just hard. And maybe that's just as a result of the world just being hard and uncertain and all that kind of stuff. But I think it's so, so important for us to help our kids have developed tools and skills to be able to manage their emotions so that when they leave our homes after high school graduation, whether they're going to college or military or mission or wherever, they'll be able to handle challenges without Mm -hmm. falling apart, Mm -hmm. you know? And if they fall apart or they're learning it in our homes, we can at least be there to support them. But we want to give them tools to be able to do that. Yeah. And I think resilience is key. I mean, there's lots of emotional skills that we could talk about, but I think resilience is probably the most important one. Um, And I think that one way that we can teach that as parents is to not fix problems, not get Uh, involved. And, you know, I am a fixer by nature. I just want to fix things. And Mm -hmm. so it's hard. Like, I get it. It's really hard to step back and say, I'm going to let you figure this one out and I'm going to sit, I'm going to support you and I'm going to listen to you, but I'm not going to get my hands in all things and I'm not going to fix it for you. Do you know what I've realized too is that I love what you said, but really the problem with the resilience thing that we, I totally agree. I feel like we're seeing a resilience problem, kind of a chronic situation with like generations that are growing up right now, but it actually, I feel like it is a reflection of our inability to tolerate discomfort because Mm -hmm. there's such a high level as a parent, there's pain, there's Mm -hmm. pain involved in allowing resilience to be something that is curated in your child. And 
we have to look at ourselves and be like, am I the one that's holding back this process? Like why we have to delve into why, why can I not tolerate that discomfort? Because the truth is, is we all can tolerate it. And it might just take a little like thought work. I can tolerate this discomfort. This is this discomfort is not hurting me. This is productive discomfort. And maybe just even getting a more, little bit more intentional and a little bit less reactive when we are experiencing those like really trying moments of parenthood that like we can, we can tolerate this and thus our kids can learn resilience. Mm -hmm. For sure. I think humans are wired to overcome. We are wired that way and we lose sight of that sometimes I think. And yeah, like for sure when our kids are struggling, it's really hard. But I think if we can remember to and look back on times in our lives where we have struggled, Mm -hmm. those are the times that have shaped us. Those are the times that have helped us to become who we are today. And so even though we would never want to go back and relive them, I I am so thankful for all those times in my life because I would not have learned what I've learned without them. So true. And so if we can remember that when our kids are struggling, that they too will look back and say, I don't want to do that again, but I am so thankful that I did it one time because I'm a different person because of it. Mm -hmm. So I have an actionable thought with that before we move on to the next one. And that is that given the year that 2020 has been for everyone and everyone's situation is unique, of course, but it's been a year that we can all say 2020 and everyone's going to feel something, right? Mm -hmm. What if we considered a conversation or a dialogue? It could be, it could come up naturally, or it could just be like a, you know, a, more of an intentional family conversation where we reflect back on 2020 and talk about the ways that we were resilient this year Mm -hmm. and point out the resiliency in each of our kids because they were resilient. We all had to be in some way, but maybe like shedding light on that and validating what we've already been doing in this most recent year could be even more empowering for our kids. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think that you're right. This year has been a great year of resilience building and maybe our kids don't even realize how much they've overcome. I don't think most of us no. even know how resilient right. we've we all had to be. Right, we back and we're yeah. just like, it was all crappy. Right. It was all right. bad. You know, but not But really. it wasn't, not right? Really. There's Not when you build character right. and strengthen exactly. your values through those type of experiences. Exactly. I think that's yeah. that's a really great idea. So well, great. Okay, what's that. your next one? I'm loving okay. this so much. So S is for social skills. So social skills obviously are so important to help us learn to work with others and to solve conflict and to communicate. And I don't know about your teens. My teens are great communicating digitally. They are not good in person, face-to-face, especially mm-hmm. with adults whom they do not know. And so mm-hmm. I think that that is so important to be able to build that kind of communication skills, especially in our teens and we have to be kind of deliberate about teaching it because they can communicate all they want digitally right now. But when they leave for college and they have to deal with their landlord or they have to deal with the auto mechanic or they have to deal with, you know, whatever, Mm -hmm. solve conflict with a fellow coworker or whatever, they have to be able to learn to be able to do that, you know? And so I think that one way that we can teach that as parents is to let our kids do the talking. If they have a problem with the teacher, let them do the talking, Mm -hmm. let them figure it out, let them problem solve with that person. Um, I have some teenagers at home and as we were getting ready for school to start this year and it was so stressful and the plan changed every day and they were trying to figure out their schedules and what they were going to do. And I have a daughter who's a senior. She's like, am I going to do community? Maybe I'll just do community college online Mm -hmm. and whatever. And 
they wanted me to talk to their counselor and figure out their schedules for them mm-hmm. because it was stressful. And they were like in tears every day of that week. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do it because you can. I know you can do this. You can mm-hmm. talk to your counselor. You can figure this out. She knows way more than I do. Right. But mom, all the other parents do it for their kids. I'm oh, like, wow. Hmm, well, I'm sorry, but I'm not going to do it. But I don't know what to say. Well, you just say what you just told me. Like you just tell, you can talk. You'll figure it out. Right. I know. (laughs) So yeah. Anyway, Mm. I sat next to them and like fed them words and this is what you say. And it was tears and it was stress, but they figured it out. Mm -hmm. And so next time they're going to remember, oh, well, I can talk to people. Like I can Mm -hmm. solve this problem by myself. I don't need my mom. And that's what we want. We want them to get to a point where they feel like they don't need mom to talk for them. You know, they can communicate with people. Well, and I think the reverse is actually really important to point out too, is when we do do those things for our kids, the underlying message that they're receiving is like, well, mom doesn't think I'm capable of this. And so they don't have that like assertiveness kind of going with them and confidence to be like, no, I can do this. Right. And it goes back to being able to, to look at your kid through tears and say, no, you can do this. And Mm -hmm. it goes again to us like fortifying ourselves to make sure that we're, cause let's be honest it would be so much easier to just fix everything. Oh, for sure. And to make the phone calls and to get everything laid out. Like, right? right? Wouldn't that be so much easier and less painful? But then you would be doing, you'd be sentencing yourself to doing that for a lifetime. Oh, and by the way, your kid would feel like garbage because they'd have no confidence in that. I know. Life. That's the thing that when you say that, I totally agree with you. It sends a It'd message. It'd be easier for me. Right. For my for child, you. not so much. But like you said, it sends the message that, oh, you're not capable. So I'm mm-hmm. going to have to handle this for you. Right. One of the things that we say in partnership with one another uh, to our kids and have said this their whole lives is I'm not this, this is me talking. I'm not the student and I'm here to support you. So we put them in the driver's seat, hands on the wheel, like you've got this, this is your deal. You will work through this with your teacher. I am totally here. I'm not abandoning you. I'm here to support you, but I'm not making the phone call. I'm not meeting with the teacher. I'm not doing any of those things until we're at like a last resort kind of situation, which I can tell you has actually really never happened where it got so extreme because they handled it. Mm -hmm. They have to learn how to handle it. I'm a huge advocate of that. And we can all speak to good schools who also advocate for that. Oh, for sure, yeah. We all have experience with that and how important that value should be in the system Mm -hmm. as well to really instill that value of self-reliance in our kids' education with them. Okay, Lynette, I have a question. Are you ready? I don't know. I'm taking full advantage of having my friend Lynette here. Everyone's benefiting. What would you say to the mom who's like, but my kid's not going to do it. They're going to like test that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like they're going to take it because we're now changing a behavior what would you say to that mom whose who's child is like, fine, I'll just fail mm-hmm. and like actually Great question. Like, what would you, what do we do? Yeah. What do we do then, Lynette? Yeah. Okay. That's, that <laughs> I'm asking for question. a friend. <laughs> no, but how far, because that's the hard part. It it's is like, hard. you can have yeah. these kids, especially the strong-willed ones, they know what's up. They're yeah. not dummies, right? Right. And, and so you have to know like, what, what is the line? Because if you're anything like me, I can argue in the same breath, like I need to be way harder on my kids and literally half a second later be like, I need to be way more understanding with my kids. And I'm it's like, hard. I just don't know. Yeah. I just don't know. Yeah. I know. It's a great question. What, yeah. what then? Okay. So I don't know if there's a line in the sand that I could say, this is where it's, it is for every kid. I think you have to know your kid, mm-hmm. you know, and kind of gauge the waters that way. But I always err on the side of 
let them fail. Let them fail. Let them deal with the mm-hmm. consequences. If they don't turn in that homework on time, oh, well, you know, if they get an F on that or, oh, well, mm-hmm. what are they going to learn from that? And some kids, I have kids who are very motivated by grades, for instance, mm-hmm. since we're talking about school. And so they will do whatever it takes to get those homework assignments in on time. And I have kids who are like, eh, I show up to class. I say some things every now and then. It's I fine. Say some, I say it's some fine. things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I open my so, mouth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we had just a funny story, perhaps, that maybe illustrates this. I have, we have a son who is now serving a mission. He's 20 years old. He survived high school, just so y'all know. Yeah. <laughs> before we get into he this. He made it. So when he was in the sixth grade, he was attending basis, right? You guys know. Yes. That's like the school of... Don't very, send your kids there unless very, they're highly motivated. Right. Very, very academic school. Very yes. rigorous. Demands. Rigorous. Mm-hmm. So in sixth grade, their finals were worth half of their grade, which oh, is totally God. not age appropriate if you ask me. But anyway, that, that leads intense. into the story, right? Mm-hmm. So he is a smart kid, but he was not motivated to stay on top of that workload. And so we could see that his grades were slipping. And so like maybe six weeks before the end of the semester was over, Um, before the end of the semester was here, we sat him down and said, okay, here's where your grades are. We know that's not your your capability. Mm -hmm. We know that you can have your grades up to Bs by the end Mm -hmm. of the semester. And so that's what we expect of you. By the end of the semester, you need to have Bs or else we will have to get involved and you will not want us to get involved. So you need to fix this. Mm -hmm. And so we didn't ask him about his homework. We did not get involved. We did not look at his grades online. We did mm-hmm. nothing. We motivated him by saying, you're smart, you're capable, you can figure this out. Mm-hmm. And he had the skills to do so. You know, I mean, we weren't leaving him out with the sharks. Right. So at the end of the semester, I went to pick him up after he got his grades and I could just tell. He Dejection. was like, Dejection. Dun, and he dun, got in the dun. car and he just bro- burst into mm. tears. And mm-hmm. I was like, what's the matter, buddy? I got a 78% and I'm like, oh, I'm sorry about that. All right, well, we'll handle this later, whatever. And he just knew, he knew something was coming. And so my husband and I sat down and we're just like, how are we going to handle this? And what we kind of decided was um, he's not getting good grades because he is reading all the time. He's reading his fantasy novels and he's not paying attention to his Mm -hmm. homework. And so, you guys, we took away his books for, like, we said, until your grades get back up, like, you can't read. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's Which is so terrible, funny, right? right? I was say, bless your heart. <laughs> I was expecting, like, video games, right. work, friends, friends, phone. He is reading himself into horrible grades. I know, but we just kind of told him, like, you need to... You need to focus on your schoolwork, and yeah. until you can do that, you can't have your books. He cried himself to sleep that Aww. night, you guys. Oh, like, it was so hard to be like, okay, like, we're taking away his books? Like, are we serious about this? Yeah. Well, guess what? In a few weeks, his grades were all up to Bs, and Magic. we never again had to handle that. Like, yeah. he still had the attitude, like, eh, fine, I'm fine, but he learned where the line was and yeah. how to stay on the side he yeah. wanted. And when that kid got a 30 three on the ACT. I'm like, where did you come from? Wow. <laughs> I didn't even know you were so smart. Right, right now in our house, and I've talked about this before, but we're, we're working on assertiveness and like ownership, particularly as it pertains to school. And so one of the things that we're having to do is usually I demand A's and B's. I demand excellence because they're all capable of it. And this year we're like, well, you have to show up and you can't fail. <laughs> and it kills me to the core. And I will be darned the kids 
I won't, I won't even give the sexes, but the kids that were put on this new program of like, just don't fail. Their grades are exponentially better. Go this year. figure. Because yeah. I'm not checking their grades because right. I'm not micromanaging. And because I'm like, well, and, and I straight up told my high schooler, I'm like, well, I mean, if you have one bad semester, that can make for a really good college essay. You have multiple, like you're just limiting yourself. <laughs> yeah. Like you're just limiting your options as to where yeah. you can go for school. And that sucks. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the more responsibility we can put on our kids' shoulders, if they feel the weight of that and they realize mom's not going to do anything, this is up to me. Mm-hmm. I feel like that motivates kids more than we can by, like you said, by micromanaging, checking grades and doing all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So. Well, and my kids know I love them unconditionally. So even if I'm dropping the hammer, there's still safety in that where, where, you know, if they're getting detention or they're getting, they're getting in trouble from another party or, or from what, whatever they're not upholding such a more effective, like the natural consequences are by far the most effective always. teachers we have. That's always how it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't want your kids to fail, but it's through, that's how they learn. Right. You know, and we would all much prefer them to take smaller, softer falls in their life For at sure. younger ages than more drastic, bigger, catastrophic yeah. falls mm-hmm. as they grow. For sure. Mm-hmm. Let, let them fail while you're there to support them. Oh, it's yeah. It's going to be way easier for them to learn how to manage that than Absolutely. if it's the first time they've ever failed anything because you've made sure that they didn't is when they're in college or whatever and they have no idea how to handle that. It's mm-hmm. emotionally too much. Mm-hmm. So, Well, I like that you say that. They have to learn how to fail and they have to learn how to how to how to fail in a way that doesn't um, diminish their their value of self. You know what I'm sure. saying? And mm-hmm. so I like going back to that second or you know your second letter, the E. Emotional. They all mm-hmm. they need to learn emotionally how to fail. Yeah, for sure. Yep. And if we, oh, man, yeah, it, we're just such good moms that we just try to fix everything. <laughs> That's okay. I think, we're just trying I to think, overcome it. <laughs> yeah, I think that it is. And parents who tend to fall into that more micromanaging mindset, it's because they care so much. Mm-hmm, you know, right. it's well, and it's managing your own anxiety, and for sometimes sure. it's managing your own feelings of self worth over you know over investing in your mm-hmm. parenting maybe yeah mm-hmm. okay yeah, so vessel sure. v-e-s and then with the l, l. yeah yeah l is for life skills so mm. these are the practical things that just keep life moving forward anything from doing laundry to knowing how to shop for groceries to mm-hmm. learning how to wake up to an alarm clock and managing your time and deadlines and all that kind of stuff that as adults we may not even think twice about because we are skilled at managing all these things mm-hmm. kids not so much mm-hmm. and so I think sometimes we forget about teaching these kind of things because we just do them, you know, and we just don't even think about it. But our kids, if they don't have those skills when they leave home, that can become very overwhelming, mm-hmm. you know? And For you and for them because they're going to feel it because they'll get hit all of a sudden with all the yeah. things they don't know and then you're going to feel all the guilt all at once. Yeah. And I've got to say, Lynette, your kids are older than mine, but we have a, we have have you have a uh-huh. daughter and I have a son that are the same age. Uh-huh. They're both seniors. They're both about to leave the nest. For me, it's my first time. And this has been a really cool season. I'm going to say cool, keeping it in the positive light. Okay. (laughs) This is a cool season of assessment because now that he is less than a year away from leaving home, this has been my opportunity and ours, David and I both to be like, okay, we've raised him. We've really done our best. We really feel like we've done our best, but we're always going to feel like we come up short, right? We know that we haven't taught him everything that we would want him to know. So this is a good time to just assess and not feel overwhelmed, but be like, okay, of everything that we feel like we probably missed, what's like maybe two or three things that we want to be sure that we really emphasize this month, for example, or the next few months. 
that's been my way of not feeling completely overwhelmed or inadequate as a mother is just like, I've done a lot. I've got to give myself some credit. And also here's some things that I know that we haven't very done very well with. Um, I don't know if you have had different experience with your kids that have already left the nest, but have you found success in being able to fill in the gaps by doing something like that before they left? Or have you kind of realized afterwards, oh, oh shoot. There's a couple, we got. There's <laughs> a couple things I've realized after the fact. Yes, of course. We, uh, all, we all probably yeah. will, right? Yeah. yeah. So different little things. I'm like, oh, I got to make sure they know their medical history. Oh, yeah. I don't right. know that. Yeah. You know? I mean, just like little things. Do they know how to put out an oil fire? Mm. Um, yeah. No, they didn't. Like my son had an oil fire in oh. his apartment on oh. his mission oh. and they are lucky they didn't burn down the whole place because they didn't know how to handle that. So oh, things like that, that you just maybe don't even think about, but I love that you're being so intentional about it. And I think that it can feel super overwhelming. If you look at the whole picture at once, yes. you're like, Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. my kid leaves in a year. He needs to know this and this and this and this and this. But if you just take it one step at a time, it's really not overwhelming. None of these things on their own are overwhelming. It's small and simple things that you just one step at a time. And I think that even as a family, you could work towards this and Hey, mm-hmm. we're all going to learn 25 new skills mm-hmm. as a family in the next mm-hmm. six months or whatever. And then plan something fun when you get to that point, you know, just something I where you're, that. you're keeping it at the top of your mind. You're being intentional mm-hmm. about it. You're going to forget things. That's just how it is. Of course. But hopefully they're little things and yeah. they just call you and be like, mom, what shot did I have? Mm-hmm. When, uh, oh, okay. <laughs> One of the things <laughs> I have loved that really impacted me as I was at education week, which we talk about a lot is just this kind of haven of education of self-improvement and there's a bunch of parenting classes. I was attending a parenting class with one of our most favorite parenting people, Mary Lee Boyack. She was a guest on the podcast um, last year. Love her so much. She gave a great idea for these kind of like tangible life skills. And each year in her family on their birthday, they would get kind of a life skill related gift. So like, I remember one, that's the cool. one that comes to mind is like one, when they turned 11, they'd get a brownie pan and now they were allowed to make brownies alone. Uh-huh. And so mm. she gave a suggestion for younger kids, which I had younger kids at the time that we used is I made each of the kids like their own cleaning caddy. So like they got their own toilet brush and their own set of rubber gloves. And that's really cool. Just the way that that changed our like Saturday chore situation, giving them their own cleaning supplies. And with one of my daughters, like this has just like set her soul on fire and she continues to like get cleaning supplies from the dollar store on a regular <laughs> basis because it Bless sets her, her soul on fire, which oh. we can all guess is Lucy. We all know Lucy. Obviously. Um, anyways, I thought that was such a great idea. That's um, and, really And with smart. Christmas coming up, what a fun way, if you could think of something, if you have a child is interested in cooking and is maybe ready to take that next step or... You know, for Caroline, who's eight, I would totally get her her own spatula because she's just learned how to make scrambled eggs for herself. That kind of situation, it might be a great time to just throw one of those like life skill tangible items into a stocking or under the Christmas tree to start to cultivate that. I love that. Oh, that's a great idea. Go merrily, Boyak. Yeah, with a brilliant her. idea. That's yeah. so cool. Well, Lynette, will you recap the vessel for us? And then we're sure. going to find out where people can follow you on Instagram and find more from you. Sure. So V is values, E, emotional skills, S, social skills, and L, life skills. And if we can focus on all those four areas, I really believe our kids 
will be ready. They'll be ready when they leave home and we won't have to worry about what their future looks like. Excellent. Where and people, hope, oh, oh, sorry. I was going to say, and hopefully it will help to alleviate some anxiety in your, our sweet mama hearts. Yeah. And the journey can be a little bit more um, intentional and enjoyable. Sweeter yep. for everybody. Yes. For sure. Where do we find you on Instagram? You can find me on Instagram at How to Raise Grown Ups. Um, I also have a podcast by that same name. You can find wherever you listen to podcasts. How to Raise Grownups. And then um, if we want more from you outside of the podcast, I think you just launched something that is worth sharing, yeah? Yeah, yeah. So I just launched a 12-month membership program that is designed to help parents of teens do exactly what we talked about today. We're going to focus on one skill or value every month for 12 months, and I'm going to teach you how to apply that in your home. And at the same time, I'm going to send your kids a subscription box filled with products that help them to apply that skill. That's value. so cool. goes so, hand in hand. How yeah. does one find out about that? Sign up for it. Where do you go? You can go to learn.lynetteshepherd.com. And Which we'll out. link in the show notes. Yes. So don't Just worry about the Just make sure you spell my name right because nobody can spell it. It's with two <laughs> N's, two T's, and a P-P-A-R-D. Okay. We'll get it all in the show notes. You guys awesome. will have, not even have to stress about the, the spelling at all. So when they go to that website, that's where they can mm-hmm. sign up? Yeah. They'll be able to find it. And that. is that open all the time or is it ending? It is ending on the doors close on Saturday, December 12th at midnight. Okay. So it will just be open for a short time and then... At some point in 2021, we will reopen the doors, but I don't know when that will be yet. So I love this. You guys don't miss out on this amazing opportunity to have a parenting handbook. It does exist. Lynette is going to help you be able to get your kids ready so that they fly the nest confidently and everyone's happy. I hope so. That's my goal. That's the goal, right? (laughs) Well, you're doing such a great job with it. And we're so thankful that you've been able to come on the show. We've been so excited for a long time to have you join at some point and it worked out. So I'm so happy to have been here. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being here. And friends, thank you so much for carving out the time to listen and for joining us in this continued conversation about cultivating a good life. Nothing we have said is more important than the specific things you have felt that are personal for you. We invite you to write down those promptings and most importantly, act on them. We love you. We're cheering you on. Lynette is cheering you on. And we all look forward to being with you next week. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. I just want to be clear. You are right so much. You're not right about this. And I feel so excited okay. that I'm actually right. And you're okay. wrong. Does that make me like a narcissist? What does no, that make me? A bad you, person? It makes you a human being. <laughs> I think I'm right. You think you're right. I know I'm right. So oh, my dang. confidence level is I'm just, higher. You better be careful with how you're saying that. Because then if you're not right in mm. all this confidence, it's yeah. going to shake you to the core. <laughs> I'm like 98% sure I'm right. I will always leave the 2%. Okay. I'm 100% right. Okay. 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 You may have to eat those words. Okay. <laughs>